Welcome to another episode of the Heat Strokes Podcast. Oh, I should have yelled too. Hosted by Brady Cannon. Presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Get ready to experience golf as you've never seen and heard it before. The price is wrong. Through the lens of Brady's experienced eye as he braves the toughest courses in the West under the scorching Las Vegas heat. Your course reviews, expert PGA analysis, and top weekly golf betting strategies are teed up and ready to fire. Here's your starter, Brady Cannon. It is DeadHeatGolf.com, home to the Heat Strokes podcast, presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Welcome in, everybody, to episode number 12. I'm Brady Cannon, and we are joined today by our guest host, Ben Wilson. He is a professional handicapper and play-by-play broadcaster. You can also catch him at VSIN, the Vegas Statue and Information Network. He is over there on the weekends doing a part of their Live Bet Saturday and Live Bet Sunday shows. You can also follow Ben on Twitter at Ben underscore Wilson underscore one. Great to have you on the show today, Ben. You know, we introduced you to Heat Strokes Golf not too long ago, not not quite to the triple digit effect, but you and I, of course, drove up to uh, the course we will review on the program later today, the Sand Hollow Resort in Hurricane, Utah. And, uh, you know, we kind of acclimated you to playing some golf in the dead heat of summer in this uh, desert climate anyway. Of course. And thank you so much, Brady, for having me on. I, I'm a Wisconsin guy. So, you know, I run sort of cold, right? So the, the heat doesn't bother me. And, and I, I love not, love nothing more than a good round out here. There's so many there's so many amazing courses, obviously, as we'll talk about with Sand Hollow. It was such a treat to, uh, to get out there and play a true resort course. So many of the courses here are more of the desert uh, variety. But it was it was such a blast. I've been still thinking about that uh, round. I can't wait to get back out there soon. Well, in the second half of our show today, we will preview the Travelers Championship from TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut, a classic test on the PGA Tour that's been part of the circuit for over seven decades now. And this year, an elevated event, so quite the star-studded field this week on the East Coast. But let's go ahead and dive into Sand Hollow Resort, our featured course this week on the Heat Strokes podcast is about a two-hour drive from the Las Vegas Strip, and it's been ranked as high as number one in the past, the number one golf course in the state of Utah on more than one occasion. And Ben, like you say, a full-blown resort course. It's got vacation rentals on the course. Quite a bit of outdoor activities in addition to golf are available here in this area. A true visual treat. I mean, the vast scenery is absolutely stunning and seems to extend for miles upon miles. It does remind me a little bit of like the Red Rocks area around Denver, Colorado. Ben, I'm curious to find out what were some of your initial impressions on your first visit to Sand Hollow? Yeah, and as you saw a second ago, some of, you know, some of the B-roll there and, and shots of the course, just the, you know, how lush it is. And you go out, you're in the middle of the desert, you're driving through, and there, it's a beautiful drive as well when you make that, especially if you're coming from the Las Vegas area. You go on the outskirts of St. George, you're not too far from, from Zion Canyon. And just uh, you know, just how beautiful the 
the like the lushness the greenery is the way they've been able to maintain the course so well it is not just it's not like one of those target golf desert courses where it's just fairway and then nothing there is a, a, a there's a good amount of uh, you have a good amount of wiggle room especially off the tee but it, it really uh, the things that impress me the most and what makes it really challenging for actually scoring are the green complexes you have just these beautiful wide angled sloping green complexes they did a really good job of and I think the bunkers are the first thing people are seeing the, you know, some of the photos. Those are the first things I think a lot of people will notice because it's a different, a different coloring. It's that, it's that dark, like burnt orange look almost. And so I think there is some wonderment of like, okay, what are you going to get out of these bunkers the first time you're in them? And I thought the bunkers actually, despite it being kind of you know, a very unique, uh, sort of a, a surface area type feel, they were actually very, you know, they're very simple to get out of, even if the bunkers themselves uh, we're, we're more of the you know the pinot variety they're kind of those pop bunker style uh setups but i i really enjoyed the test it was a unique definitely a unique round of golf and then the back nine is where you get some of the really amazing vistas and some of the huge canyon looks that are really what define the course as a whole and re, where you see a lot of those pictures yeah i i would say even though there is very much of a desert feel out here it is not you know in really the least a desert course at all like you said a full-blown resort course a ton of room off the tee here, and, and you're right. I think one, and I had forgotten. This is only a course that I've played a couple times, uh, but our second time out there, I had forgotten how huge these green complexes are, and, and that absolutely is a defense of the golf course. Uh, it is hard to avoid three putting these massive greens, and then you're right when you get to the back nine. A lot of these fairways are bordered by canyons or big rock outcroppings. Just absolutely a stunning look. And, and Ben, I also think the course really wants you to, it, it leaves you wanting to come back again because your first time out there, you know, you're really struck by the beauty and the overwhelming scenery of the property. It can be easy to lose focus on your game. And I think you leave here just wanting to take another crack at it, no matter how well you play. No doubt. I, th I think the, the big thing is just the strategy that the course, it, it, it sort of, wouldn't maybe seem that way on the surface because it is laid out with you know wide fairways, a big bunker and green complexes, and you would think, all right, just sort of like like any other desert or resort course, it's sort of a bomber's paradise. It's meant to just send the ball down and and figure it out from there. But there are a lot of different ways to play the course. I, I noticed that, and the thing I would yeah I didn't really realize because it was my first time playing is just you have to be really strategic off the tee. You can set yourself up with some uh, really optimal angles where you're you're avoiding those bunkers. Depending on the approach angle you're coming in from, you can put yourself on the right tier of the green. So, yeah, it's going forward, it's one of those things. After you play it once, have more of a feel, you're at least able to see the holes in person. Uh, it's one of those courses that for actually scoring, I think it's really difficult the first time just because really hard to get a gauge for the right places to leave the ball at, especially on your approach, especially on your drive. And, uh, and that's, that's what I do like that in a course where it does force you to think off the tee, use all the club, clubs in your bag. And this is definitely a course that can make you do that. The Sand Hollow Resort has two courses, the Championship Course and the Lynx Course. Ben and I were lucky enough to play the Championship Course. It opened in 2008 and was designed by John Fott. It has received all kinds of recognition nationally. Beautiful clubhouse and golf shop, live music on the weekends there during the good times of the year. Uh, very high-end, well-equipped golf carts, if you recall, Ben. Plush seating. Oh, All yeah. the technology connections you're looking for. You want to play some music, hook up your phone. Um, they were very nice golf carts. Excellent food, too. A and then a snack bar where you can uh, order off the GPS system in your cart when you hit the ninth tee box and then pick it up 
before you hit the tee, uh, tee box on number 10. Ben, I, I know you've only been up there once, but did you come away with a favorite hole at Sand Hollow on the championship course? Yeah, so one that, that I remember and kind of stuck in my mind, it was the short little short little par four, the 13th hole on the backside. And so that's right in the middle of about a five, six hole stretch where you're you're in the middle of these beautiful canyon vistas. And it's it's it is the you know, I would say the premier stretch of golf on the course just from a view standpoint. But it's it's a fun hole simply because of the of the test. It's you know, on the surface it seems like a pretty simple it's a I'm just looking at you know back at our card, Brady. It only played the day we were out there. You know, from the tips, even it was only 320. It was playing 265 for us, and there's a big bunker right in the middle that's only 200 to reach, but about 240 to carry. And then it's basically a, a, a double option as far as you know. There's one small little narrow fairway stretch on the right of that bunker. There's a little bit wider of a fairway stretch to the left of the bunker, but if you go any further left, you're falling off and into the canyon. And then a very small green that is a really deep green that has a huge ridge right in the middle and is also protected by a bunker on the front right. So you have so many options. I mean, you could hit seven iron <laughs> and have like a nine iron in. You could go driver, try to, you know, you could try to just pound a driver right up to the green. Uh, you could do, I think you and I both went with the three wood option where, you know, I took three wood. I, I tried to just make sure I took the fairway bunker out of play, but I also, as the, 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 the narrow part of the fairway tapers just in front of the green, I wanted to leave myself some room just to hit a little, you know, gap wedge, like a half 52 degree. And, try to get the ball close. So I went three wood off the tee, had about 60 yards in uh, and it, after kind of taking off a little of it and, and ended up doing my best to get the ball all the way in the back of the green. I didn't quite, I think I left mine on the very top of the ridge, sort of frustrated. I thought I hit a great uh, 52 degree Brady and then just missed the birdie putt. But that was a really fun hole just because of the, you know, the, the overall setup it gives you and the number of options you have off the tee. So many different ways to play that hole. And, and, I, and when you're in a resort course and and you want a good challenge, I really do like how that, that hole in particular is set up. Yeah, you're right. A lot of options on the tee on that hole. And I actually got aggressive and took driver. If you recall, up on the right-hand side, just a little past where you would hit your three-wood, there was a ground under repair area. So I said, you know, That's I'm right. going to get yeah. relief from that anyway. So I went ahead and tried it with the driver. Hit a pretty decent shot, but the gamble didn't really pay off. I didn't really gain that much of an advantage. but. Uh, you're right, that is smack dab in the middle of a very scenic stretch of holes on the back nine. Now, my favorite uh, is on the front nine, on the outward nine, a very short par three, number eight. And this only plays just over 150 yards from the tips and about 120 or 125 from the green tees. Um, but the hole, I think, is much more difficult than the yardage would indicate. Now the green kind of slopes from left to right and then also from back to front towards the tee box and there's and the fairway up to the green kind of runs up a slope there. The green is a little bit elevated. So club selection is really key and a lot of tee balls are going to come up short here on what looks like a very benign par three. Then you have a big deep bunker to the left side of the green that definitely has bogey written all over it if you find yourself in there off the tee. It really should be a pretty easy par three hole here, Ben. But like I say, you talked about, you know, options off the tee and some strategy there on 13. It really takes a little bit of thinking on number eight as well. Just again, a 125 yard shot is really a lot more difficult to make a three on this hole than it would present, than it would, uh, present just looking at it first glance. 
Yeah, and it, I mean, it's the number 11 handicap, which you wouldn't you would expect it to be like the number 17 handicap out of straightaway. Right. Uh, a par three. I hit I hit wedge. And yeah, it was one of those things where you're trying to gauge, OK, how, you know, normally my stock wedge is like a 130 shot. So I'm thinking, OK, this will be perfect. And and realized that, you know, you, you came up a little bit short. I had to hit mine pretty good. And it resulted in a, a setup where I, you know, you're, you're trying to then crank a wedge or go very soft on a nine iron. And I, I pushed mine and I ended up in that that job. That giant bunker actually hit a real. That was probably the best bunker shot I hit all day. Hit a really good bunker shot to about uh, eight feet, just barely missed the par putt. But yeah, you're right. It's one of those you get off the green and you're, man, how, how did I make bogey? And then you realize, yeah, tougher, tougher a shot off the tee than you might think. And then if you do hit the green, of course, you're faced with an, yet another one of those big sand hollow resort greens that are very easy to three putt. Now, again, I know you've only been up here one time, but did you come away with a favorite moment or a story? from your experience up there in uh, Hurricane Utah? Yeah, so I will, you know, unfortunately didn't make any birdies. That, that was the goal, but it was, you know, a really fun round uh, overall, Brady. And, you know, I think we, we both, I mean, we had, we had our ups and downs as, as you're always gonna have on a course. Uh, I, another moment, another hole that really stood out to me, you know, I think the front nine, cause everybody talks about just the beautiful scenery on the back. I like that you pointed out a hole that, that was your favorite from the front, just because I think the front is a really underrated part of the course. It is, it's a different layout. It's more. Uh, more in the open area where you're, you're kind of you, you don't have as much you know, true mountain or canyon right by you but it, i thought it was still a really beautiful uh setup and and i, I liked how a couple of the you know the par fives on uh, all over the course really are, are they're, they're demanding in the sense that they're definitely gettable in two but the big bunker complexes are brought into play you can find yourself in some trouble pretty easily uh, depending on how aggressive you are are getting and so like I was, I was happy. I mean, I made, uh, it was, I think the seventh hole right before your, the, the hole you just talked about Brady on number eight, the par three, seventh hole is a par five where hit probably hit my best drive of the day, which was a, always a fun moment to have when you can crank a drive, you know, 300 on a par five. And, and that was a really daunting second shot onto a green that's protected by a huge bunker in front. There's little pot bunkers to the left and to the right. And then there's fescue off to the left. Since you're right at the edge of the property there, not, you can see some of the, some of the lodging houses there across the road on the left side. And so I was just shortened to, had a really dainty, I had to kind of flop a 52 degree over the bunker onto a severe downslope that kind of trundles down to the pin. And I was, I was happy how I handled that. I just barely missed the birdie putt, but that was a really fun hole. And that was another, uh, another memory, you know, holes like that, that are, they're definitely a challenge out there, but uh, you understand if you put a couple go good golf shots together, you, you have a chance to put yourself in positions to make some good scores. Uh, good stuff, and I remember that hole well. I hit all. I also hit a really good drive on that hole, and then went for it with a three wood on my second shot, and it all went downhill from there. So, um, I got to tell you, my 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 favorite story though was from uh, our trip up there, and maybe a little word of advice here to folks that are traveling to Sand Hollow from Nevada. We had an eight a.m. tea time. And with it being a two hour drive, I said I was going to leave my house at 5 a.m., which I did. And I was making great time. I arrived there about three minutes prior to 7 a.m. However, it was about 25 minutes before I arrived. I realized that I was heading into the mountain time zone from the Pacific <laughs> yeah. time zone. And so, no, I did not arrive there three minutes before 7 a.m. I arrived there three minutes before 8 a.m., which was three minutes before our tea time. So, oh, boy, I, I walk into the I pull up to the bag drop and the guy goes, I, I go, I'm on the tea. He goes, yeah, you are. You better hurry up. I walk into the golf shop and I'm like, look, 
Uh, I just came from Las Vegas. I fouled up the time change. Uh, and lucky enough, they had a spot for us where they could squeeze us in at 8.45. And after that, the next available start time was like 10.40 in the morning. So that would have ruined our entire plans. Uh, but lucky enough, we were able to hit a few balls and warm up and relax and get out there at a decent start time. Uh, but lesson learned, uh, don't forget when you are traveling from Las Vegas to Utah, you do cross over into the mountain time zone. And it was funny, Ben, I think I told you this, I had just been in Arizona for the weekend, which is roughly a five hour drive away with no time change. And, and then I go just two hours in the other direction and there is a time change. So I, I was really fouled up. It really caused some stress. But at the end of the day, uh, everything worked out just fine. Classic. You know, you're, you were not the first. You will not be the last. And I will say what is actually nice about that drive for, from the sports betting perspective is you do actually cross through a very narrow little corner of Arizona. <laughs> yes. So I, I made the strategic decision on my way back. I stopped at a little, uh, a little convenience store to get some lunch after the round and was able to uh, – I had already downloaded a couple of the – I have a lot of work trips to Arizona normally, so – had the apps there, which you have a, a very nice, robust betting menu compared to where we are in Las Vegas, Brady, and was able to make some wagers as, as I had some lunch. So that was a nice, that's a nice uh, little perk, so to speak, if you're making the drive up there. Well, you know, speaking of other wagers available, before we go to break here, I know you're very well versed. In fact, you and I collaborated on some thoughts about the College World Series last year. You gave me some real good advice. Uh, we're down to the final four in Omaha. What are your thoughts real quick here? on uh, the remaining four, the Demon Deacons, uh, the LSU Tigers, the Horn Frogs of TCU, and of course, my beloved Florida Gators. Of course, well, your, your beloved Florida Gators are in a great spot because they just need one win. They have to, TCU would have to beat them twice. And if Florida just wins one game, they are in the College World Series uh, Championship Series. Yeah, yeah, Florida's a team that I had actually slept on. I don't have any futures exposure to them. My two tickets left right now, I have TCU 40 to one, and Wake Forest plus 240, who I added before the College World Series. I still believe Wake has been the most talented team, top to bottom, best pitching staff, best lineup, and they're now about even money to, to win the whole World Series. They just need to beat LSU once uh, between the next two games in order to do that, to, to get into that championship round. So I still believe it will be Wake Forest, but uh, they it's a really interesting situation for LSU because they have the National Pitcher of the Year in Paul Skeens, who's this amazing Throws 102 with the fastball, unhittable 91-mile-an-hour changeup. And so there's some thought that LSU might try to get by with a bullpen game in the first game against Wake Forest. If they force the if-necessary game, then they would throw their stud, best pitcher in the country, Paul Skeens. And that's where it could get really hairy for Wake Forest. So I, I'm a, I believe Wake will have enough in the tank to win that first game if LSU does, in fact, try to hold their best pitcher back. And I do think it will be Wake in the, in the championship against your Florida Gators. We have yet to see uh, Jack Caglione, who is known as Jack Tani by some. He's this great uh, two-way player for Florida. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways to, uh, to hedge off of my TCU ticket. It's not easy when it's the College World Series because it's a double elimination tournament. Uh, but I, I do believe those will be your two, uh, two teams that go at it. And I'll say this for Florida. Their, their starting pitching was a big bugaboo most of the year. But they've gotten some unbelievable starts. They're their two main starters in this postseason run. It's been six innings or more pretty much every time out. They've been great. Uh, they've, been, they've been really helping out their bullpen, and they have one of the most potent offenses in the country. So that would be my, uh, my assumption right now. I still give the, the edge to Wake Forest, still believe they win the title, but Florida is making a really good push at the moment. 
Yeah, I, I basically agree with you on all fronts. Uh, I, I think this is going to come down to Florida and Wake Forest. They do have a decided advantage both at 2-0 and against TCU and LSU, who both have one loss on their ledger. Uh, but it all gets started a little bit later today, and we will find out. Uh, and, and I agree with you as well. I think Wake Forest has looked like the best team, but I think Florida can give them a challenge, certainly. We'll see if they end up in the championship round. Back to Sand Hollow here real quick. It is definitely a decorated property. Um, the full-blown resort golf experience, absolutely stunning scenery. But Ben, I, I didn't feel it was high-end in the sense that it was uncomfortably fancy. It, it was very friendly, casual, and relaxed. It didn't feel like you were walking into this palatial, you know, glitzy, exclusive experience. And, and I tell you what, the pricing reflects that. In peak season, you can play for around $150. And in the summertime for under $100, they also have local memberships available for both courses, the Lynx course and the championship course. You can find them online at sandhollowresort.com or on our website at deadheatgolf.com as one of our featured golf courses. You can also give them a call at 435-656-4653 and tell them the fellas from the Heat Strokes podcast sent you. We'll be back with our picks for the Travelers Championship taking place at TPC River Highlands. But before we do, a quick word from our terrific sponsors, and I encourage you to support these folks. They really have some tremendous products. Bascent Realty for all your real estate needs here in Southern Nevada. Pro uh, Las Vegas Advisor, footballcontest.com, and Play Studios if you're an online gamer and into that type of thing. By the way, footballcontest.com. Don't forget to use the promo code HEAT at checkout to save $50. Football contest season is in full swing here in Las Vegas and will be throughout the summer. So a good time to get on board with footballcontest.com and save a couple of bucks. We'll be back in just a moment with more of the Heat Strokes podcast presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino right here in Las Vegas. When the Heat Strokes crew isn't burning up the hottest golf courses in the country, playing a game you'd all spend a lifetime trying to master, they're doing something just as smoking, but a whole lot easier. They're playing My Vegas Slots. It's a top-ranked, free-to-play mobile app that lets you earn valuable real-world rewards from some amazing partners like MGM Grand, Bellagio, and Norwegian Cruise Line. You can score rooms, great meals, show tickets, and more just for playing. Download My Vegas Slots today from your favorite app store. And if you're anything like Brady and Matt, we know you're going to love it. And that's something you can bet on. Have you ever wanted to play in one of the biggest football contests in Las Vegas and win a million dollars or more? At footballcontest.com, find out how to sign up and make your picks through Nevada's most experienced proxy service. You do the handicapping, we do the legwork. And our service is a convenience for both locals and non-residents alike. Over the past decade, Thousands have trusted footballcontest.com as their proxy service and have collected winnings of over $10 million. Whether you're a fan of five picks against the spread or survivor pools, footballcontest.com has all the information you need to get started. You pick the winners, we submit your picks. It's that easy at footballcontest.com. Attention all real estate buyers, sellers, and investors. 
Are you looking for a trustworthy and experienced team to help you navigate the Las Vegas, Southern Nevada market? Look no further than Bescent Realty Group, specializing in residential, commercial, and investment properties. With over nine years of experience in the industry, we have the knowledge and skills to help you find the perfect property or investment opportunity. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're committed to providing exceptional service and delivering results. Contact us today to take the first step towards achieving your real estate goals in Las Vegas and Southern Nevada. Call now, 702-339-8052 or go to BescentRealty.com. Want to gamble like the pros? At LasVegasAdvisor.com, you'll find the world's best how-to books, software, and strategy cards featuring blackjack, poker, video poker, tournament play, and of course, sports betting, including 2020 sports betting, Think Like a Pro, which contains an 85-page section on betting golf. And don't forget to check out LVA's famous member rewards coupon book, offering discounts on dining and entertainment, including a buy one, get one for the awesome lobster buffet at the Palms and more than $400 in gambling free play match play and bonus offers up your gambling game today at LasVegasAdvisor.com that's LasVegasAdvisor.com Mandalay Bay comes alive as the fan district the go-to destination for all of fankind gather here stay here eat here and celebrate here fans get exclusive food and drink specials and one-of-a-kind experiences Loaded with giveaways, photo ops, surprise appearances, and more. And the best part? It's all within walking distance of the stadium. Get the party started or keep the party going at the Fan District. Brady Cannon and Ben Wilson here with you on the Heat Strokes podcast presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino right here in Las Vegas. And it is time to preview the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut. Ben. This is a Pete Dye design, a par 70 golf course, Parkland style, tree-lined fairways, not a whole lot of water on the course, smaller than tour average sized bent grass poana blend greens. Uh, We've seen bombers win here like Dustin Johnson and Bubba Watson. We've also seen some shorter hitters win here like Kevin Streelman and Chez Reavy. It's a shorter course by PGA Tour standards at just over 6,800 yards. And interesting in the forecast, there's quite a bit of rain in the forecast for the Cromwell, Connecticut area for like the next 10 days or so. Rain, thunder showers, a little bit of everything mixed in, but it looks like we are going to get some moisture. Hopefully it doesn't delay the tournament too much and we have a good clean run here. Just wondering what went into your handicap of this tournament this week. Right, and it's fascinating too that you have the, the week after a major and you have an elevated event. Now, this is always yeah. a tournament that's gotten you know, really good fields, but I'm, I'm really curious to see how that impacts things. It, is, it, it did lead into at least one of my plays, I think one that we do share, uh, talking about the guy who just won last week in Wyndham Clark at the U.S. Open, because you know, for, for a lot of guys, you come straight on literally the week after major, and because of the new PGA Tour rules, you are forced right into this elevated event. So because of the, you know, the kind of dual nature of how you can attack this course, I, I wanted to look for guys who have had in general, at least, who have had success here and who also are, are not, not the longest guys. I know, as you said, I mean, Bombers have won on this course, but I'm looking for guys who've been more strategic at layouts like this in the past, who've had good success on the similar type Pete Dye course designs, and who I feel comfortable in general as you know, not necessarily like total horses for, the, for said course, but who I at least feel really good about their ability to navigate the, you know, the different the tree-lined areas, 
because there's a lot of holes where you're going to go, you're going to go three wood, iron off the tee. You'll have a lot of, and you'll still have a lot of shorter approach shots coming into this tournament. So, and, and on a lot of the holes. So that, that's kind of how I started my handicap. And I wanted to look at guys who not necessarily had to be in you know, scintillating form coming off the U.S. Open, but you know, had good approach numbers last week who maybe were not at the very top of the leaderboard on Sunday. We're not getting a ton of recognition or, or showing a ton of their, their shots on the NBC coverage, but are still in pretty good form and, and might be getting underappreciated a little bit as a result. And so there were a few names that I ended up uh, circling on that we'll get into. And that was just the general way of how I, I went ahead and handicapped. Yeah, I think I took a similar approach. I didn't necessarily favor accuracy or distance off the tee, but more so efficiency. I did look at strokes gained off the tee. Uh, I looked at strokes gained approach. You, you and I both know that's something you have to look at each and every week, and I think it is very important, especially this week at this golf course. I also looked at birdies or better gained. We have seen some lower scores win this tournament in the past. If you look over the course of the last 10 years, the average winning score has been 15 under par, but two out of the last three years, the winning score has been 19 under par. Uh, so I think, and, and we're talking about this rain. If there's going to be soft, gettable conditions, I think you're going to have to make some birdies to keep up. I also looked at strokes gained around the green. I, I think scrambling will be important with these smaller greens. And then hole proximity from 125 to 175 yards. That's going to be the bulk of the yardage you'll find on approach at this golf course. And then I also, of course, looked at par four scoring, uh, primarily par fours in the 400 to 450 yard range. Uh, par fours will make up 67% of this par 70. So going to be important for sure to score on the par fours. Uh, as far as the comp courses, I did look at another Pete Dye design, of course, TPC Sawgrass, where they play the players. I looked at TPC Potomac. TPC Twin Cities, TPC Deer Run, where they play the John Deere Classic. And then I also looked at East Lake, where they play the Tour Championship, Sedgefield, where they play the Wyndham, and then also Innisbrook, where they play the Valspar Championship. So like you kind of allude to, Ben, a lot of those strategic, not necessarily wide open bomber type courses, uh, more ball placement, efficiency off the tee, strokes gained approach. I think that's the type of course we're getting this week. Let's get to our guest picks. And for that, we bring in our friend Chris Felica this week, of course, known as the Bear, a longtime employee of ESPN and a part of the college game day coverage. But of course, Chris has now switched to Fox Sports and he will be featured, make, kind of making his debut with Fox coming up this fall for their college football show, Big Noon. And prior to that, he's actually going to be a part of Fox's coverage for the Women's World Cup. Uh, you can follow Chris on Twitter, by the way, at Chris Felica. And not only is he uh, you know, very well-versed in college football, but this guy can pick horses. He's very good at golf handicapping. I've always leaned on him for the Travelers Championship because of course, spending so many years in Bristol, Connecticut, not too far from Cromwell, he's very familiar with this golf tournament we have on our hands this week. He's got two outright winners, Ben, he went right to the top of the board with Scotty Scheffler at six to one. And then the 2021 champion in that famous eight hole playoff, Harris English, he's got him at 65 to one. He's also got Scotty Scheffler on a top 10 finish at minus 125. And then he's got two players for a top 20 finish, Patrick Cantlay at minus 165 and back to Harris English at plus 230. And then top 
30 finish. He's got Brian Harmon at plus 115, Eric Cole at plus 240, and Sam Bennett, the rookie, making, I believe, just his fourth professional start this week at plus 280. He's got a couple of head-to-head matchups. Scotty Scheffler laying the wood at minus 155 over John Rahm. Eric Cole at even money over Justin Suh. And then to miss the cut, Justin Thomas, the the lack of love for Justin Thomas continues. He was all the way up to 50 to one, as you recall last week, to win the U.S. Mm -hmm. Open, Ben. Now to miss the cut at plus 150, a shorter price than Tony Finau, who's at plus 250 and also selected by the Bear to miss the cut. And then finally, Harris English again to be your first round leader at 70 to one. Any thoughts there on some of the picks by the Bear? I certainly, certainly can't go against looking at the top of the board and Scotty Scheffler because, well, what would you say? Scotty Scheffler had his C-plus game top five, the right? Open. <laughs> yeah, I, he's, he's struggling all over the place. And I, there were, you know, professional, I remember it was, I think it was Michael Kim on Twitter, a fellow professional golfer saying, wow, if this guy clearly doesn't even have close to his A game and he's still finishing T5, you know, in a top five, I mean, what does that say about, about him as a whole. So certainly, you know, any, at, at this point, if you are making a case for Scheffler every single week, you, you basically can. So I can't go against that at all. And, and Harris English, it's not just that he has the, you know, the course, uh, the course history and having been in that, that ridiculous uh, eight-hole playoff from a couple years ago, but he, he was playing really well. He had a couple blow-up holes on Sunday at the U.S. Open, but I liked what I saw out of English. He was right there in contention, was playing really good golf. And you know, the reason I, I, it was a guy I'd kind of circled originally on as far as a potential for my card. Didn't include him just because you know, for some of these guys, like a, like a Scheffler and for an English, who were just on, you know, in the final few groups of the U.S. Open, who were right there, they were grinding right down the home stretch. I'm a, that that those are some of the guys I'm a little bit concerned about just for making that transition on a short week, going cross country, even if they have the game, even if it totally makes sense from a number standpoint uh, to bet them. That's the only reason why I didn't ultimately bet those guys and, and kept them off my card. Um, but yeah, and Patrick Cantley, remember, he's the guy who set the course record as an amateur. So you talk about course history. Patrick Cantley certainly has that. And, and I, he certainly does also fit in the in that category of guys who maybe got up to a slower start at the U.S. Open, were forgotten about a little bit, came on over the weekend and did look much, much better. So I, I do like the uh, the Cantley play as well. I just didn't want to lay a big price of over a dollar sixty there on a, on a top 20 finish. But uh, no issues at all with what the Bears is throwing out. No, I, I'm in the same boat. I didn't necessarily land on all the same ones, but I, I think you can make a good case for every single one of his picks. I'm a little curious about Tony Finau to make the cut. Uh, yeah, that, that would be very interesting. He's getting a nice price at plus 250. He's been kind of pedestrian here, it, it seems, for the last couple of months after being red hot last summer, and that carried over into his win at the Mexico Open at Vidanta, but he has been a little bit vanilla here for a while, so maybe worth a shot uh, to pick Tony Finau to miss the cut this week. All right, uh, let's get to your picks, Ben. I will give you the floor. Who are you on this week for the Travelers Championship? Thank you, Brady. I'm going to go back to at least one golfer I had last week at the U.S. Open in a finishing market, and that was Colin Morikawa. Played him a top 20 last week, and in similar, in kind of similar form, not obviously to the degree as a Scotty Scheffler, but a guy who didn't really seem to have his A game and yet was able to find his way pretty comfortably in the end into a, into a T12 and was really, really good. Was eighth in overall strokes gain approach. So the iron game is still there. With Morikawa, you, you really tend to worry about the putter and the driver. But I don't believe the driver is really going to be in, in, the, in his hands a whole lot this weekend playing at a very short course. And 
when you actually look this, I th this was surprising to me when I looked up the numbers, but if he looks at, like, at the good drives gain stat, at least on these shorter courses, so if we're qualifying it as sub, you know, 70, 200 yards, Colin Morikawa is actually the, the best driver, at least good drives gained, which measures just overall efficiency, not necessarily distance on these drives over the last 36 rounds. So I really like where Morikawa is coming in at. You, he's always going to be at the top of your approach leaderboard, third in strokes gained approach last 36 rounds. And from that, that proximity metric that you mentioned, Brady, in that 125, I looked at 125 to 150, but this applies to 125 to 175. He's, uh, he's right up there to ninth so far in the last 36, uh, 36 rounds. So really like where, where Morikawa is at. We saw him play well at the players earlier this year, top 20 on a, another a very similar Pete Dye course, TPC Sawgrass, and has been in very good form just in general with his overall game. So I like him in the top 20. Like that I'm getting another uh, plus, or sorry, top 10, excuse me, is what my bet was. Like that I'm getting a near three to one price on Morikawa. Uh, that, that was uh, actually the, both of these that you're seeing on screen were at Circus Sports in Las Vegas, Morikawa at plus 275. And then Russell Henley, I'm, I'm going with a guy who has a lot of course history here. Three top 20 finishes throughout his career has finished as high as sixth in this event. In a, in a similar metric, looking at those good drives gained on the shorter courses, he's third on the overall list. Seventh in the proximity on those short iron shots, and then sixth strokes gained T to green on sub 7,200 yard courses. So, Russell Henley, a guy who played really well last week, had over seven st strokes gained on approach at the US Open. I don't think many people were, were following Henley or really aware that he was doing the things he was doing, but finishes top 20, like the form he is entering with this week. And so, those are my two placement markets bets. I, I, I'm not a big uh, outrights guy, to be honest, Brady. I know uh, it might be different than a lot of the other handicappers, but I've tended to, to rely more heavily on the placement markets where you're still getting plus money. You obviously have to be more consistent on those bets, but I, I kind of go with the lower volume uh, and, and, you know, sort of a higher accuracy type, type strategy on those. But those are my two placement market bets. And then the one matchup I did go with is Max Homa, even money over the U.S. Open champ, Wyndham Clark. And I know we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this here a little bit more in depth, but this is pretty much a pure fade of Wyndham. I, the only worry I have, it seems like everybody in the golf betting world is going to fade Wyndham Clark this week, but you think about what the reality is and all the media he's done this week, his first major championship, only his second ever championship as a PGA Tour player to now make that cross-country trip, uh, even though all the numbers are good on Wyndham Clark and it's, it should be a course that is just fine with how good his approach numbers are. Uh, I, I'm looking to fade him this week and I'm doing so with the a player that I think will benefit kind of getting out of his own backyard in Max Homa. We saw how all that pressure of him being the, the local California kid playing at LACC, it, it, it clearly was not a great thing for him. So I, I like Homa to bounce back. A guy who's putted very well on, on these, these POA bent grass type, uh, type green surfaces in the past. I will, I'll look at uh, Homa there in a matchup this week. Yep, makes all the sense in the world to me. And you talk about not playing the outrights, Ben. You're just smarter than all of us. <laughs> no, and, and I will, I will be, I will, I will be honest with you. Um, the outright market, and, and even maybe I, I don't play a ton of first round leader bets, but that would be the very lowest of the lows. The outrights are are traditionally my lowest amount of risk. Uh, as far as each individual bet I'm making, because, you know, it is a needle in the haystack type of thing. It's where all the glory is. It's where the fun is when you hit one. But no, you're spot on. When I get into the finish markets, I will bet two, three times of what my outright outlay is, and then even more so uh, on the head-to-head -head matchup. So I think you're, you're right. You're, you're much, you're, you're giving yourself a much higher probability to cash when you're betting those finish markets and the head-to-heads. The outrights, the first-round leaders, those are a little bit more for fun, 
and, and should be treated that way as well. All right, I will get to my picks here. I've got outright winners plus top 20 finishes on all of the above here. I went back to the defending champion on Xander Shopley. Uh, he comes off of a 10th place finish at the U.S. Open. And so we know the form is good. Of course, uh, a runner-up finish at the Wells Fargo Championship not too long ago. He was top 20 at TPC Sawgrass back in March. I mentioned East Lake as one of my correlated courses. This guy is just a machine at East Lake. He really checks a lot of boxes on the correlated courses. Sixth in this field for strokes gained approach the last 36 holes, or 36 rounds rather. Sixth for birdies or better gained and first in hole proximity from 150 to 175 yards. I am also on Russell Henley with you, and it seems like uh, just about half the golf betting world is this number's been crushed. Mm -hmm. um, but even without looking at the market, and I was just kind of looking at the board, and for some reason, you know, I guess just course history and the way he plays, the type of player he is, uh, he's been playing very well in major championships this year. He just seems like the type of fit for this golf course. And then I started looking into it and I was like, boy, I'm not alone in this thinking apparently. Uh, but you talk about good drives gain. Um, he's one of the very best in the world when you combine driving accuracy with strokes gained on approach. Uh, then I went to Siwoo Kim at 46 to one. He's won the players before. He's won the Wyndham before. He's a perennial contender at the Wyndham and he's been playing really good golf as of late. Had a top 40 finish at the US Open had a second at the Memorial and a fourth, or excuse me, a second at the Byron Nelson and a fourth at the Memorial. Really good in all the categories we're looking at. Strokes gained off the tee, birdies are better gained. Um, so Siwoo Kim made my card this week at a pretty juicy number. And then speaking of a juicy number, Corey Connors at 72. I thought that was really high. He's another guy that's been playing well. Of course, you know, he showed up for about three of the four days at the PGA Championship. He won the Valero. He was eighth at the Wells Fargo. I, I think if this guy can ever carry a hot putter, uh, he can win just about whenever he wants. He's fantastic off the tee. He's fantastic on approach, hole proximity. He ranks in those categories. Birdies are better. He ranks really high in all those categories. Just need to get that short game firing, and Corey Connors should be a factor. Uh, and then full tournament head-to-head -head matchups. I landed on two. Uh, Taylor Moore at minus 140 over Sam Bennett, and then Corey Connors at minus 110 over Denny McCarthy. I've seen the Connors number get higher. I, I'm okay with it up to about minus 125. Uh, and then Taylor Moore, a pretty big number, obviously. I'm actually okay with that to about minus 150. I mentioned Sam Bennett earlier making, I believe, his fourth, maybe fifth professional start. Uh, or That's right, fourth, I believe, is a professional. At the Masters, he was an amateur. Um, but uh, this is a pretty big stage for a young man, uh, and I think Taylor Moore is actually a guy that that could contend at this tournament. So, so a little bit of fade of Bennett here, and a little bit of backing of Moore. Uh, but those were my two head to heads. Uh, what do you think, Benny? Uh, are we on the are we on the right page there with where we're headed this week? I I think we're gonna have uh, we're we're like hawks, all right. We're we're vulturing around that uh, that we're gonna be vulturing around the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, it is funny on the Henley thing because there there tends to you know we we always fall into this and there tends to be a lot of groupthink when it comes to some of these, especially the smaller tournaments. And this is obviously an elevated event, so not smaller tournament. But when you get into a week after a major, does it, that it's the only thing that concerns me. Feels like a lot of people are on Henley, but we also live in a bubble, so. You know, we represent a very small percentage of the actual betters out there. 
And I, I like the portfolio. And like you said earlier at the top of the show, there are a number of different ways you can win at this course. And so if you look at the golfers we all have picked, I mean, there are a lot of different styles. We, we feel like they can work in different ways stylistically with the course at the TPC River Highlands. But I, I think it's a good way to look at it because you, you understand that there, there are a number of ways to attack this place and to have different golfers with different skill sets that are very, 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 very efficient and at the top of the board in, in different areas. I think that's a good way to approach this if you're going to have a deeper card. All right, it is time for our Pizza Money Play of the Week presented by Dom DeMarco's Pizzeria and Bar in the Summerlin area right here in Las Vegas. Ben, uh, I don't know if you've been there yet, but if you haven't, we need to get you over there. Uh, certainly, uh, as a guest host of the Heat Strokes podcast, we've got to get you over to Dom DeMarco's, a fantastic place in the Summerlin area. Matt Humans and I, we were on the same Pizza Money Play last week. We both lost. Uh, we figured the winning score for the U.S. Open was going to be under nine under par, shorter than that. Obviously, Wyndham Clark gets to 12 under par. Uh, the scoring at the U.S. Open really did surprise me. So we lost our pizza money play last week. But this week, I'm going to go with a player to miss the cut bet. And that is going to be the aforementioned Wyndham Clark at two to one plus 200 on Wyndham Clark to miss the cut this week for our Dom DeMarco's Pizza Money Play of the Week. And really along the exact same lines that you're thinking here, Ben, um, the young man wins the Wells Fargo, an incredibly emotional victory for him, his first on the PGA Tour. And just a month later or so, he wins his first ever major championship, the United States Open, uh, as an American. This is really a lot to swallow. And congratulations, obviously, but to come back the very next week on the other side of the country against an elevated field, mind you, and pull it off again to maintain that level of play, I think can be very, very difficult. So I think it's worth a shot. You took the matchup route. I think it's worth a shot to possibly take the miss the cut route as well. Yeah, especially at uh, two to one. I have been to Don DeMarcus, by the way. Fantastic. Uh, oh, good. So good. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm glad we're, yes, I'm glad this is our pizza money play of the week. Yeah, it's not just the fact that it's his next tournament, right? Because we, you know, a lot of that, it can be sort of a lazy handicap just in general, right? Okay, just fade the winner from the, the previous tournament. But I, I think the fact that it, it is such a unique thing you're seeing as part of this sort of this new setup on the PGA Tour where you have an elevated event the week after a major. Not only is it an elevated event, but you are in a, you're basically as far away as humanly possible on the PGA Tour, at least from the domestic tournaments from your previous event. So you have Wyndham Clark, who was in LA. Sunday night, doing all the media overnight, and now you make this cross-country trip, go all the way to the, the Connecticut area, and, and now you settle in here. You got to turn it around and get ready to go by Thursday. It's, it's more unique than just your, your standard, okay, maybe a guy wins his first major, takes a couple weeks off. Maybe it would be lazy to suggest to fade him the first tournament back. But I just think with the timing, it's a really truncated turnaround, Brady. I, I like where your head's at, and I think we are on the same page here. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the Heat Strokes podcast presented by the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino here in Las Vegas. In case you need to revisit all the picks and all the information, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts or on our website at deadheatgolf.com. You can also find it on YouTube. We'll have the video version up a little bit later this morning. You can find uh, my YouTube channel there at Heat Strokes Podcast. Please give us all the social love, the likes the subscribes and all of that good stuff. Uh, if you enjoy what you're hearing here on the Heat Strokes podcast, I want to thank our crew, Tom Catlin on video, Jeremiah Crow from Green Roll Media on the audio, and Trifco 
on the creative design. Thank you to our guest host, Ben Wilson of VSIN. Don't forget to miss his shows on the weekends, Live Bet Saturday and Live Bet Sunday on the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Also, big thanks to our special guest contributor, Chris Felica. We will be back at this same time next week, actually a day earlier, recording a day later this week on Wednesday. We will be back at our normally scheduled Tuesday time next week to preview the Rocket Mortgage Classic and also review another golf course. In the meantime, everybody, I recommend highly you checking out the Sand Hollow Resort. It's an absolutely visual stunner and a great golf course to play. Enjoy the Travelers Championship this week. Cash some tickets and Ben, please remind everyone to stay hot. You've been dialed into the Heat Strokes Podcast with Brady Cannon, presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, and produced in conjunction with Green Roll Media, the world's premier sports betting podcast network. Subscribing to the show on YouTube is easy. Just search Heat Strokes Podcast. Follow us on social media at Las Vegas Golfer and at Heat Strokes Pod. If you like what you heard, please follow, like, and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify today. Good luck out there sinking birdies at Cash and Tickets. Cash and Tickets. We'll see you next week.